Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Hey, how are you doing today, Izzy, up in Massachusetts? I'm well, Margot, down in Florida. I'm do, doing okay, although I don't know how okay any of us could be, you know, because uh, we're recording in a kind of transformational time. We certainly are. And I just wanted to let our viewers know that I had the pleasure of working with you in person a few weeks ago and here in Naples, Florida, and it was tremendous. It was a great gift to have before things started closing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I guess let's start right off talking about how improv can help during challenging times. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about that uh, uh, often, and it, it, it's really clear to me that the, the, the things that make improv successful to uh, both audiences and players are uh, based in skills that are essentially life skills. And if you think about the parallels, the analogies between improv and the uncertain times that we live in, uh, then uh, the idea about not knowing the outcome, being able to work together to create a solution, the ability to step up and, and in spite of the risk factor, the fear factor, move forward anyway. And at the same time, the whole foundation of, of improv is creativity and solutions to problems. So the idea is that uh, for me, I think that the understanding improv as a process, the skills that make improv people successful are practiced and learned and applied. Uh, you, you know, um, Margo, you and I both belong to the Applied Improvisation Network. The idea being that the skills that make improv people successful are applicable to us outside of the theater. And here we are in a perfect, uh, almost Petri dish of, <laughs> of opportunity to test the, the ability to uh, live with uncertainty, to work together, to um, try things that may not work and, and then move forward. So I think the uncertainty is a thing I'd like to talk about a little bit more because we are living in very uncertain times and there's certain aspects of improv that are about uncertainty and risk-taking. Yeah, so one of the things that improv teaches you, and I'll speak from my own experience, and helps expand is your risk awareness. So when we uh, are afraid to step up, when we say, I don't want to take a risk, I don't want to look foolish, it's an opportunity to see, to challenge those thinkings, th those thoughts, and say, well, it's a game. Uh, what's the downside of taking a risk at trying to play something? And if we start doing the investigation, we see that our fear is um, easily 
managed. So we step into the fear. Improv is always about stepping into uncertainty and some kind of fear. And then you, you emerge alive and well, and you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. So I think that's one of the ways improvisers build up confidence about living with uncertainty because it's not that scary. Exactly. And, you know, I think improvisers all over the world stepped up immediately. You know, they were losing jobs, they were losing gigs, and this started this wave of improvisers going virtual, putting shows on for a minimal cost, offering classes, and really using the technology and the skill they have of taking something that could be seen as not too nice and turning it into something positive for other people. I think that's really an important thing. There is, there is definitely that aspect. I would expand that to, to I'm looking at all kinds of uh, professions and people who are coming together to create some helpful realities. I've gotten a couple of emails today from uh, neighborhood groups that are saying, okay, let's, let's put these things together where if you have something you want to offer, put it up there. If you need something, put it up there. Somebody else will come up. So what, what the world is doing using an improv mindset is to accept the offer. This is what we got. We got to live under this kind of reality. And instead of uh, um, saying, well, it's terrible, it's terrible, we can't do anything. What people are saying, improvisers and others, is what can we do? In other words, here's the, here's the game. It's called Pandemica. And we got to play whether we want to or not. So how are we going to, to do what we can do? So you're absolutely right. People form these solutions because human beings um, like to interact. They, 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 we need each other. And absolutely. one of the things we learn in improv very fast is you need each other. There are very few, if any, individual improv groups. They're working together. And that's <laughs> what I think comes out also. Yeah, and being part of a team is so important. And now we're kind of in a worldwide team right now to deal with this crisis. Yes, I would say we're in several worldwide teams, some of them more teamy than others. But oh, yes. I would agree with you. By the way, I wanted to mention that we are recording this on March 21st, 2020. Yes, the first day of spring in some ways. And spring is springing here, sprung here. How yeah. about up north? Are blossoms coming? Oh, yeah, out? yeah. A little, yeah, it, it's, um, uh, you can smell it in the air. The, uh, the buds are blue. So I, I was driving from Florida last week back to Massachusetts, and it was really nice to be able to see the cherry blossoms when I passed through Maryland oh, uh, as a sign of spring. I think if we were going into winter, I would feel a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I have had some people in my life, my clients and my practice who have been extremely freaked out. I also work with a lot of older people and they are isolated. Um, we're doing great efforts to reach out to the elderly. However, you know, my, when I first learned improv, I immediately saw the connection between my mental health world and improv. And yeah, maybe you could yeah. address that a little bit about the benefits and the mental health part of it. Yeah, I found it for myself to be true also in that I began to recognize that the way I, I, I entered the improv situation was very much the way I'd entered my life. So if we're talking about risk, about working together, about trying to be the star 
again, you know, improv groups, um, if they're working well, this is my opinion, don't have a star. Uh, everyone contributes and you don't know necessarily who, who, who it is. Uh, so I think the mental health aspect in improv related to the world, a key aspect of mental health is being able to act on things you can control and let go of things you cannot. In, in conjunction with that, it's about being in the present and letting go of the past and not existing only in the hopeful future. And that's exactly what improv is. When it's your turn, you control. You give whatever your word you want, whatever action you want. When it's someone else's turn, you can't control anything that happens. Right. You're totally, totally dependent on someone else. And the only time to act is now. What happened before, not relevant. You can't, you can't really use it except to build on. The future, you can try to anticipate, but you can't direct because you're working with other people. So I think it's very similar to mindfulness in that it puts you in the present. It, it, you, you learn to say, okay, I just have to wait and see what happens and I will confidently respond to whatever it is, even if I can't control it. And I think that's an aspect of mental health. Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite women, Eleanor Roosevelt said, yesterday is history, tomorrow's but a mystery. That's why the present is a gift. Exactly, exactly. And it's very hard for um, us on any stage of mental health uh, development not to exist too much in the past or too much in the future. And improv really, really teaches you that. And at the same time, it teaches you not to need to be perfect. And uh, so that recognize that slips and falls and, and stumbles, everyone does them. And uh, you pick yourself up and you move forward in conjunction with your team and the goal. I mean, the other thing that, that I think mental health um, is strengthened by through improv is that, um, I don't know that most people realize this, improv is always about a goal of achievement. Uh, there's a goal. Um, and there's a, there's a problem and a goal. There, there's a problem. The goal is, yes, is, is to move forward to see how, how, how it plays out. So the, the, the function of the game. So there's a game called um, Alphabet Game where uh, two or more people converse with each other with the rule that they have to start each part of their conversation with the next letter of the alphabet. So if you started, you would have to start with an A word and not a B word. So the goal there is to get through the alphabet, to have a conversation where we each use one, the next letter of the alphabet. How we get to that goal has multiple myriad pathways. So as long as we're not stuck to one goal, to one path, we can achieve the goal through many ways. And I think that's a mental health aspect is that life, we have goals in life, happiness, love, contentment, satisfaction, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What we don't learn, except uh, later on in life or through improv, is that there's not a particular path to any of those goals. You know, our parents would have said, my parents, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should find the right person. And that sort of sets a constricted mindset. There is only one story. And what I've learned from improv is that there are any number of stories that will get me to that goal. Right. You know, what you're talking about with your parents, you should do this, you should do that. In cognitive behavioral therapy, we have a, 
a list of 10 distorted irrational thoughts and the word should or must is on there because if you should somebody too much, well, you're shooting on them. Right, and right. If you must too much, you're masturbating. So we've got to be <laughs> careful about using those terms and to ourselves, like I should exercise today or I should do this. Take it. This is a time to take it easy on ourselves. Um, but you mentioned one word story. Let's play it. Okay. I, uh, well, I, I met, um, yes, talk about one word story. It also mentioned alphabet game, but uh, we could do one word story. Um, let's pick a title. How about if we do the story of um, um, uh, happiness in the springtime? Okay. All right. Once upon a time there was a very secret society that loved to gather happiness period okay. together they wanted to experience happiness in decided to oh, you said in you said in yes um to decided to share their formula with everyone in the world period when spring came they reached out to everyone in the world and gave each person a seed to plant in their gardens period period finally they found out that seeds bloomed all over the world period exclamation point the end <laughs> And that's a good one word story. I, I shouldn't label good or bad, but that was great. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was, a, it, it, it was helpful. I'm glad you suggested it because um, it just shows some of the things we talked about that we had the goal, which was to tell the story of happiness. Uh, we couldn't rely on me controlling or you controlling. And we, once we left the beginning, we were all in the present and moving forward together. We really had to co-create a future, to co-create the story. And that makes it, I think, very much a, a good model for how to exist in, in, in uncertain times. It's a mental health skill to observe. Yes, it happened. I know where I want to go, but I can't control it. So I'll just focus on what Margot gives me. And, and, and the I'll other thing... The other thing I just I, yeah. I think is, is helpful for our mental health is that there were times we either didn't hear each other or we misinterpreted something. And it took a little bit of a, a few seconds, but we got back on track. And I think the mental health aspect that I learned from improv is that perfection is not the goal. Expect bumps in the road, so to speak, and um, absorb them and keep moving forward and get back on track. And I think that's a good life lesson. It, it, you know, and that theme of perfectionism is so important. I start most of my classes with 
in these classes, there are no failures and no mistakes. No matter what you do, it's gonna be wonderful. And that's very hard for people to wrap their minds because they'll start playing a game and say, oh, I'm sorry, or this or that. And it's because of that need for perfectionism. Yeah, and that perfectionism also comes from comparing ourselves to others. And uh, I think uh, one of the lessons I've got from improv is when that happens to me, to recognize that it's not a helpful way to, to, to be very oh, much. Um, so, so many, there's so much anxiety in the world, even before this crisis. So much anxiety, because so many people are in the future worrying about what may or may not happen, and 90% or more of what they are worried about never happens. Right, right. And, and, and the, um, the wellness, another wellness aspect of, if you're always worried about what's going to happen, to your body, your memory and your emotions are real. So, so when you're thinking negative, when you're thinking fear, when you're afraid, when you really release all those negative uh, things in the body. Right. Because your body thinks it's really happening. Right. That's why when we have a nightmare, our body experiences real feelings, our, our shortness of breath, heart palpitating, real fear. Nothing has happened, but our mind creates it and our body believes it. And you know, that's what I, I'm sorry, I interrupted. That's sorry, what I worry about today. People going into the fight or flight response while there's already concerns about what's going on, but they, it enhances that fight or flight response and they're wearing down their bodies. They're becoming fatigued, depressed. Their thinking is impacted when they go to fight or flight. And the other, the other side of that, it, that, that phrase of confirmation bias, if you believe something bad about someone or something, it's much easier to see that it, you can make it true because you want to, you, you, you sort of believe it already. Right. So if you think you're not good enough, if you think other people are better, if you think you don't have the skill, you will find ways to prove that. I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was working with a cancer patient recently, and I encourage, you know, Norman Cousins and Bernie Siegel and that ilk, Loretta LaRouche, if you're familiar with her. And mm -hmm. at one point she said to me, I'm sick of this laughter stuff. I don't want to laugh and it's not helping me. Stop telling me to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes we just have to cry too. And, and, and sometimes people get frustrated um, when other people give them uh, pat advice. I had a discussion the other day with someone close to me and she has was really worried about a relative who works in healthcare and because of, of what's going on um, she was really concerned and, and, and I said to her being the motivational speaker that I am you know I said uh, just think of the possible you know the, the best possible outcome you know it was very flippant and and she got really upset she says you know I, I that's just doesn't have any relevance to me you know, it doesn't mean anything. I, 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 and what I, I could have done was, and this is where my improv training did not kick in, uh, the improv response is, yes, I understand that you're nervous and angry and, and, and frustrated, and I could understand that. Um, so that was a lesson in, in that sometimes, like this woman who didn't want to be 
laugh, you know, to be told to laugh. Sometimes we tend to think um, of, of solutions that are just a way that aren't relevant, that aren't relevant. And that's where one of the great improv skills we, we work on is listening. So real and listening, not just to the words, but to the facial expression, to the body. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a great improv skill because we are always wanting to make our partner look good. Yeah. And that means yeah. really paying attention to what's going on with them. And that's the connection with therapy as well. We want to stay focused on them. Yeah, yeah. And the, and, and the listening is also about suspending judgment. So we're listening with an open ear, mind, heart, soul, and uh, suspending judgment about what could or should not be done because people want to be acknowledged. Uh, and not always um, corrected or, or fixed. Exactly. And, and an improv teaches you that, it taught me that, because things happen so fast that I don't have to worry about whether it's good or bad or whether I'm helping or hindering. I just have a responsibility to respond. And, and, and it, it, it's, it, it, it's devoid of judgment because I don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's... Um, uh, that listening skill is really important uh, on a deep level. You're listening uh, so that you can build on it, not so that you can incorporate yourself into it. Exactly, exactly. And that's the challenge in one word story. Everybody wants somebody to say something either before or after them. And the first time, almost um, universally, the first time people play it with me, they have that impulses going on. Like he should have said this and she should have said that. They don't want to admit it at first, but I say, this is how I first experienced the game. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's another example. You know, you're, uh, you're really helpful when you, when you say, this is how I experience it, is then people go, uh, oh, I'm not as uh, incompetent as I thought I was because we have this imposter syndrome very often, especially when it comes to creativity. You know, if, 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 if we're looking at something that we don't understand, um, magic, uh, improv, politics, <laughs> we try to figure out that other people have some skill or some experience that, that we don't have. So we don't feel, I, I, I coach people on how to do professional speaking and keynotes and- Can you repeat that? We're getting a little and, snack. And, Getting just a slight freezing. Try it again. Thank you. Okay. Um, Your professional. My, I help. I, I help people with with, with their uh, presentation skills, and one of the most common roadblocks for them is the belief that they're not smart enough. They they don't have the status to tell to stand up in front of other people because they think that they're just uh, they haven't earned it. And yet, if you know more than the people in the audience. And if you know specifically what you can tell them, then you're entitled and actually should be helping people uh, solve it. So um, improv helps you understand that too, that uh, you have skills, you can contribute no matter what level, what experience um, that, that you have. So that's another mental health aspect is, is uh, owning, your, owning your power. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about another game, perhaps now, a little break from talk. And yeah. um, we talked about the alphabet game. Do you want to yeah. set it up? Sure. 
let's talk about a topic. I'll let you pick it. And the, the idea here is that each of us who talks has to start our conversation with the next letter of the alphabet. So if I start the, the conversation, whatever the topic is, I'm going to have to start with a, a, an A word, say whatever I want, then you go to a B word. So as an example, if I was talking about food, I might say, um, apples are really helpful for me when I'm trying to uh, cut down on junk food. And you would say, bananas are my favorite in a, in a smoothie. And I could say, uh, can you tell me uh, what your favorite fruit other than bananas is? Donuts is the first thing that popped up in my mind, but I guess we can't count it as a fruit, but a jelly donut might be a fruit. Every time I think of donuts, I think of fruit. So I think we can do that. So you get the idea, right? All right, so pick a topic and let's play the alphabet game and see if we can get through the whole alphabet. Okay, I'm looking around in your house. What can I see? Um... Radio. Radio. Um, a long time ago, I used to listen to the radio a lot, especially at night under the covers when I was a kid. Because I grew up so long ago, I would listen to transistor radios and really love the early rock and roll. CBS was a station I used to get a lot late at night, and I remember listening to baseball games there. Dad loved baseball so much. Every time I would go to bed, I'd have a flashlight and the transistor radio, get under the covers and listen to what was going on. And could hear, I could hear stations from all over the country. Funny you mention that because I could hear stations all over the country as well. Gee, I wonder if there was ever a time when we were listening to the radio at the same time in different parts of the world. How could we figure that out unless we time traveled? I'd like to time travel. I, I would like to time travel. I think I'd rather go into the past than the future. Gosh, I would love to go to the past. I would like to meet so many people. Have you thought about your, what your favorite period of history is? I've given it a lot of thought. And I think France and the revolution. Jurassic Park, uh, dinosaurs, that would be mine. Keeping it simple, maybe I wouldn't go to the French Revolution, but rather go back to when they were signing the Constitution. Let me go back to that re French Revolution thought for a minute. Uh, I, I would like to, to, to be a king at some point. Making myself a queen is often a fantasy I've had. Now we're on the same page here. I think we could do a, a royalty time travel trip. Uh, perhaps we can. I know people who've been doing it. Perhaps we can bring them along and they could be our attendees in the court. Quite an idea you got there, Izzy. Really, I think together we have some uh, pretty strange thinking. <laughs> Shall we put it online and tell everybody about it? Too soon for that. Let's not put it online yet. Let's think about it a little bit. Undercover. We're going to keep it undercover in the beginning. Very good idea. That, that undercover goes back to the radio conversation. 
Well, it certainly is what we call a callback. Xylophones were invented during the French Revolution. Maybe we could find the first one of those. Yes, and let's think about that some more. I love the xylophone. Zowie, that's a great idea. So let's get started. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, z xenophobia will not exist when we go back into the time. Yep, uh, yep, the end. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Thank you, Izzy. How much fun Margaret. that was. That was fun, yeah. See, I yeah. feel my mood elevated already. It was a little challenge. I had to think, but it was fun. I, yeah, I think it, it, it was fun. And I, 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 you know, I like your, your focus on mental health. Um, and, and what comes to mind is that we're working together, we're focused. And um, even though we're not perfect, we're successful from our own perspective and that we had a good time. And I think that's a great boost to mental health is, is staying in the moment, having a good time and working with someone else. That's why improv is such a wonderful skill for people to use during this time. So for example, doing a one word story, you could be in a family of four or five and play mm -hmm. one word story. Um, I like to use something called the story spine. People could get copies of the story spine and use that. Um, so I think, uh, that one word and the alphabet game and there are many others that people can play in families you know before we had tv and all this stuff we gathered as families and listened to the radio and spoke and had more interaction and play was much more simple back then it was simple because there weren't as many uh toys and and, and people had to use their environment and what was available so part of the simpler time was that um, people were more creative. People would just, uh, let's get together and, and we'd play. And we didn't <laughs> always need a lot of toys or um, maybe a ball, you know, maybe a stick. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the other, another benefit of, of improv is that it sparks creativity. Um, so whatever you have, that's what you use. Well, this has been a re very refreshing conversation today. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Let me ask mm -hmm. you how you're planning to cope with this coronavirus thing right now. I'm going to stay connected to people online <coughs> and by phone. Um, I'm going to uh, go for walks <laughs> so I can get outside. And I'm going to try not to watch, to watch or listen to the news very often. <coughs> Excuse me. I've had the, I had the flu just a few weeks ago. So well, that's scary. That. But I'm not going to edit this. This is the real me. Um, that <laughs> sounds like wonderful choices. Talking to friends spending time outside. And, you know, I suffer a bit from anxiety. That's why improv was such a great release for me when I first discovered it personally. Yes, therapists can be anxious, actually. Um, <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> and I find that the release I get with just a few games is tremendous. Yeah. 
So reaching out to people. And when I'm feeling anxious, I like to think, who can I help right now? Who can I reach out to, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that connection, I mean, it's pretty obvious that we're very, we're forced to be separate. So reaching out and connecting with other people makes a lot of sense. And improv is a way to add a level of fun and interaction and engagement with other people. So I think it's a, you know, it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. Absolutely. And you've been so generous with your time and energy. And I just am so grateful we've had this great conversation today. And uh, we're going to be staying at home a lot. We are. We are. Huh? Oh, no, I was going to say we are. Um, and I, I just want to say if, if, if there's people who want some more information about, about this, can I give out my website? We're going to post it with this. Um, oh, okay, great. Okay. Great. Uh, so it'll like, have- like, you, like you, I want to be an ambassador for, for improv, in, for the applied improv in daily living. So that'd be great. Thanks. Absolutely. And your lovely um, improv cards. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we'll have all of that on the body of the text that accompanies the podcast. So excellent, Margo. Thank you. Thank you. It was Thank really you. great to talk to you. It's great to see you a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to um, next time when things are better. Shalom. Namaste. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.